quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Out front next, raiding Gaza's largest hospital, Israel releasing new video of weapons found inside the complex but no proof of tunnels. This is CNN, obtains exclusive Hamas body cam video of the October 7th attacks. Plus, President Biden about to hold a rare solo press conference this hour. We're going to bring it to you live. And quote, I will bite. The senator who almost started a fist fight with a witness in a hearing is doubling down tonight. Let's go out front. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett, and we are out front following two breaking stories. President Biden expected to hold his first press conference in months this hour. We're going to bring that to you live. This, of course, coming at a crucial moment in the Israeli war in Gaza. Tonight, we are learning that Israeli forces are still inside the largest hospital in Gaza, al-Shifa. A spokesman for Israel's military telling reporters, and I quote, it's a complicated area which still has many people we need to conduct in the right place. Now, keep in mind, we we first learned about this operation starting 24 hours ago. Israel's military has released video from inside the hospital they say was filmed in this day. I want to make it clear that these videos were shot and distributed by the IDF. CNN cannot independently verify their findings. It is definitely an MRI machine. And if you follow me behind the MRI machine, I'll show you what our troops exposed just minutes ago. In military terms, this is a grab bag, grab and go, of a Hamas combatant. And if you zoom in and we get some light over here, what you will be able to see are is military equipment. There is a an AK-47, there are cartridges, am, ammo, uh, there are uh, grenades in here, of course, uniformed. And all of that, this was hidden very conveniently, secretly behind the MRI machine. Behind the MRI machine. Now, you may recognize uh, that IDF member. That's Jonathan Conricus, the lieutenant colonel, who, of course, you've seen many times on this and other programs, spokesperson for the IDF in that hospital. Now, we've been unable to get a comment from hospital authorities at this time. But one thing not shown in the IDF video from the hospital at this point, now they do say it's ongoing, but I I do want to make it clear at this point, uh, they have not released any footage of Hamas alleged tunnels at that hospital. Remember, Israel said that the operation to enter al-Shifa was to clear the tunnels that they said were being used by Hamas fighters and that they said was a, that there was a command and control node there. An IDF spokesperson telling CNN uh, that they were the, quote, beating heart of Hamas's operations, referring to al-Shifa. This was a claim that U.S. intelligence independently came out on the record and, and said they, they say that's true as well. But while Israeli troops continue to sweep al-Shifa hospital, they are now also engaged in a fierce fight to the north. CNN cameras capturing large explosions and flares. I do want to emphasize this is the exact same area that Israel said it had secured and was in control of. But now, according to the IDF, Israeli forces are being ambushed by Hamas militants there. And it comes this fighting as we have an exclusive report tonight with footage from the October 7th terror attack on Israeli civilians. Now, many Hamas militants on that day were wearing GoPro cameras to document the attack. Some of the videos that they took 
were then actually shared by Hamas. They put them online as propaganda. But not all of that. Israeli sources told me that they found many dead Hamas fighters and they were dead still wearing the GoPro cameras. So the footage was there. And now CNN has obtained video from one of these cameras from the Israeli military. This particular GoPro from this Hamas militant, this one GoPro, runs 100 minutes of horror in its entirety. And I do want to warn you that this exclusive report from our Oren Lieberman that you will see in just a few moments is very, very graphic. Uh, the horror of what that happened uh, that day. Oren joins me now live from Tel Aviv. And Oren, um, I, I'm giving everyone a moment to decide, you know, what, the, what they're going to what they're going to watch here. But obviously, uh, your exclusive report is coming up in here in a moment. I first want to ask you, though, about what's happening at Al Shifa Hospital, where last night it was at this time where you broke the news that is IDF forces were going in. They've now released new videos. The IDF has not independent journalists. Is there more to come? Well, that's what the Israeli military and the Israeli government are promising, saying the operation in Shifa Hospital is just beginning, and they're only beginning to look around. But this operation has now been going on for 24 hours. It was earlier today that the IDF said they had, quote, concrete evidence that Hamas used it as a terror infrastructure. But the guns they found that you saw there in the video from the IDF, the grenades, the vests, that is a far cry from what they promised. For weeks as this operation was ongoing, Israel focused on Al-Shifa Hospital, even putting up pictures of where they said Hamas had undergone ground infrastructure under the hospital and a 3D illustration of what they said or what they what they claim showed the Hamas complex underground. They also had backing from the U.S. who also said there was Hamas infrastructure underneath the hospital even as doctors and health officials in Gaza repeatedly rejected those accusations. What they put forward today is very far away from what they promised uh, the uh, the senior advisor for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu saying this process is just beginning but for their own uh, for their own credibility and for that of the US now there better be a lot more coming there certainly there certainly better be versus compared to what what they've claimed and obviously this is ongoing so we'll see uh, but Oren, uh, the context of this, of course, is October 7th and the exclusive video that you have obtained. Uh, it is from the IDF, but it's a video from a Hamas GoPro uh, camera uh, as the October 7th attacks unfolded. We know they were filming it. They put some of it online themselves. But obviously, uh, some of them who were killed, uh, they were still wearing those GoPro cameras. And now you've had a chance to look at some of this. What more can you tell us? My team and I went through 100 minutes of video that shows the attack. It even shows, as you'll see, tunnel video in preparation for the attack. And what's stunning about this, and think about this as you're looking at it, is how much time the terrorist who was wearing this body cam and those around him had as they were moving through southern Israel. At one point, they were even surprised, asking, where are all the soldiers? Aaron, again, I will warn our viewers as we go into this, it is very graphic video. An explosion before dawn on October 7th. The time is here and the attack is underway. Allahu Akbar, God is great, they chant as they cross the breached fence. Go right, go right, go right, they say. Less than two minutes later, they cross the second security fence. They are in Israel, heading towards the kibbutz. The sun is up, and a day that will reshape the region has begun. This video comes from the body cam of one of the terrorists who took part in the attack. It was obtained exclusively by CNN from the Israel Defense Forces. 
For the first time, we also see video inside Hamas tunnels before the attack. It is a look into a network of tunnels with what appear to be supplies stored in the darkness. Writing on the walls in Arabic says what's hidden is far worse. Above ground, the gunman fires his first shots. Go on, man, go on, man, he screams. They stop on the way. More than a dozen militants gather here to prepare for the next assault. One has several rocket-propelled grenades on his back. Minutes later, a group advances across an open field, moving towards the village of Kisufim. The gunman charges the last bit and spots an Israeli soldier on the ground. Others join in celebration. Moments later, he is more composed as he turns the camera on himself. He says his name and that he's 24 years old. He's a father. He says he killed two Israeli soldiers. He asks God for victory and well-deserved martyrdom. On motorbikes now, they keep advancing, moving together along empty Israeli roads. Or nearly empty. The man cheers as he sees bodies on the road. His is not the first wave. He rounds a corner. Here, we have seen this place before, among the first videos to come out after the attack. This is dash cam video from a car on the same road moments earlier. The car approaches a group of militants who open fire. The car coasts, its driver almost certainly dead by now. It is just after 7.40 in the morning. After a quick reload, the group approaches a military base near the kibbutz of Re'im. For 65 minutes since crossing the Gaza fence, they have had nearly free reign in Israel. The gunman closes the distance with a weapon he took from an Israeli soldier, opening fire, and fire comes back. This man's part of the attack comes to an end. The terror is just beginning. One thing we've heard from everybody here, and that's the IDF, Israeli officials, as well as everybody on the street here, is that there will be a thorough, long, and in-depth investigation as to the catastrophic failures on the part of the Israeli security apparatus on October 7th. Aaron, that window gives you one small glimpse into how catastrophically Israel's security system failed on that day. Catastrophically, and just, uh, gosh, you see the sun rising there, as you say, and on that day, so much change and before such an incredibly horrific loss of life. Orrin, thank you very much. Uh, with me now, Colonel Cedric Layton, retired Air Force Colonel Ian Bremmer, also with me, president and founder of the Eurasia Group and G-Zero Media. Colonel, you're with me. Um, I want to, you know, I couldn't turn away from that, as horrible as it is. Um, they're, they're preparing. They've got the, the, the young man that has the rocket ball, the uh, RPGs on his back. Right. Um, and the man who's narrating this, who dies, mm -hmm. um, he... He, as Warren describes him at one point, he becomes more somewhat introspective as he turns it on himself. He says he's 24 years old. He gives his name. He says he's a father of two, and he begs for martyrdom. They he expects to die as a 24-year-old father of two. 
Well, it tells you something about the mindset, Aaron, that we're dealing with here. This mindset is completely different than what the Israelis or Israeli mindset is or what the American mindset would be in a situation like this. Uh, these people believe that death through martyrdom, as they would call it, is preferable to the life that they're living right now. And that is what propels them forward. It means that they're not really a, a well-organized fighting force, although they were able to pull off uh, this massive attack and they got lucky uh, mm -hmm. in, in that sense that they were able to move as far inland as they did, that they were able to kill as many people as they did. Uh, but what this shows is that there's a, a, a real uh, psychological difference in the mindset of these people compared to uh, yeah. what the Israeli uh, IDF would be like. And and they weren't expecting, Ian, they, to, 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 they were expecting to, to face more resistance. They were. I mean, I know talking to people in other uh, kibbutz, they were actually at one point trying to negotiate Absolutely. surrender because they thought the IDF was there when the IDF was nowhere to be found. Uh, and yet you see this tunnel footage. They put that in clearly, Ian, as propaganda, right? Like with the, with the uh, graffiti saying there's more, there's worse under here. Uh, you know, what do you, what do you see in this? It's, it's horrific, and yet you can't look away from it. Uh, the idea that you could get 2,000 Hamas terrorist fighters, young kids, um, all gunned up uh, across the border uh, to cause the kind of damage that they have, terrorists, uh, inconceivable. That's the big surprise. The big surprise is not that Hamas is a terrorist organization. The big surprise is not that you'd have these young kids prepared to martyr themselves uh, in, in the, the cause of their ideology. The big surprise is that the Israeli Defense Forces, the gold standard for yeah. border defense, for operational security, human intelligence, uh, failed. Uh, was just asleep at the switch. And, and that's why the Israeli people overwhelmingly blame Prime Minister Netanyahu. It's why he doesn't want to talk to the Israeli journalists right now. Uh, right. I mean, you know, th th this is really the extraordinary thing is that, that is Israel was just not ready uh, for, you know, a, a group of terrorists that were right across their border. Colonel, there's also the whoops and the celebration, um, which I find incredibly jarring, you know, walking through some of those kibbutz, you know, there are the charred bodies, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the death, the horror that was unfolding. And this was the celebration, um, unadulterated joy. That's yeah. what we heard on that tape. Yeah, unadulterated joy and celebration. The, yeah, that's exactly what, what the case is. And it kind of is reminiscent of what you'd expect a scene out of the Middle Ages to be like, you know, with Genghis Khan coming into Europe and, uh, you know, destroying villages in, in their wake. And that's, that's the kind of thing that these people did. This is what they are prepared to do. They're prepared to bring basically a ninth century war method into the modern modern era. And that's that's really uh, the dangerous part of this. And one other thing on this, as we watch this footage again, um, it's hard to tell from it, but um, you don't just get an obvious feeling that a bunch of these guys were on drugs. And, and having talked to people who came face to face with them there on the ground, uh, I, I did hear somebody say that they appeared to be on drugs. And I heard, frankly, multiple people say that they did not. Uh, and that even within the, the militants that people interacted with, there were various levels of depravity and radicalism. Um, when you watch this, and this is one person, this is one guy, a 24-year-old kid, father of two, um, what do you hear? Uh, it just hurts. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the, the fact that, that the human condition is pushed uh, to the degree 
that this sort of behavior is something that someone can rationally conduct? I mean, it's so hard for any of us to put ourselves in the heads of anyone that can conduct behavior like this. And, and yet it's what we saw. And we're not talking about a couple plane loads um, of, of terrorists um, that, you know, sort of, you know, created 9-11 uh, for scratch. We're talking about a couple of thousand people and behind them 30 to 40,000 Hamas fighters. This is, it's not an existential threat to the nation, uh, to the Israeli nation. Uh, but but it, it you understand how the Israelis would respond so w such extraordinary anger um, on mm -hmm. on the back of this. It's 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 just it's it's really hard to see. Something about those those as I said the whoops of unadulterated joy um, kind of makes me shake. All right, thank you both very much. I appreciate it. And next, we are awaiting a rare solo press conference by President Biden. That is starting any moment. We're going to bring it to you live. He's just wrapping up a four-hour meeting with the leader of China. Plus, Ukraine making a major advancement tonight on the battlefield, closing in on Russian-occupied Crimea. You heard what I just said. A top Putin official warning tonight they're about to face a, quote, fiery hell. And the sitting senator who challenged the Teamsters president to a fistfight tonight is defending his behavior. I thought, I'm going to break my hand on this guy's face. I'm going to take my wedding ring off. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. Lately, we have been paying attention to a very different virus, bird flu, which is caused by the H5N1 virus. If you start to hear that it's circulating in pigs, that would be a concern. That means I would go from sleeping with one eye open to one and a half eyes open. Yeah, that would make me very concerned. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news, President Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping just wrapping up a meeting that lasted four hours, four hours, and they just emerged a few moments ago. Biden is expected to take live questions. The president about to host a rare solo press conference, which would only be the third time he has done so this year. It comes at a fraught moment for Biden. Two brutal wars, Israel-Gaza, Ukraine-Russia, risks of mass escalation, low approval ratings, a dysfunctional Congress, and of course, uh, coming with this crucial meeting with Xi Jinping. Out front now, Jeff Zeleny, our chief national affairs correspondent, Karen Finney, CNN political commentator and former spokesperson for Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign, and Scott Jennings, CNN senior political commentator and former advisor to Mitch McConnell. All right, thanks very much to all of you. All right, Jeff, um, this, this meeting went longer than many had anticipated. Four hours is a long time. Translations aside, 
four hours is a really long time. And now Biden, President Biden is coming out of it, going to host what is only his third solo press conference this year. In, we're here in mid-November. So this is a crucial moment. It certainly is, Aaron. There's no question about it. I mean, foreign policy has always been President Biden's calling card. This is one of the things that really was central to his election in 2020 to restore America's place in the world. And China was always going to be at the very center of that. Of course, uh, for any president, events get in the way. Events intervene. So Ukraine, certainly. Now the Middle East. But China is still so central to everything he is doing. But every move he is making there throughout this, uh, the the time of the summit, them walking side by side, them shaking hands. Everything is top of mind here as he's running for re-election again. He turns 81 years old on Monday. And we're told that he wished uh, the wife of President Xi Jinping a happy birthday. Her birthday is the same day as President Biden. But that points out the fact that he does turn 81 on Monday. And every step he makes, he's watched very carefully. But again, this is something that uh, diplomacy is something he wants to be doing. He wants to be uh, focused on this rather than other domestic challenges. But we are being told that fentanyl was a central part of this conversation. Aaron, this is a key part of the Republican argument on the Republican primary campaign controlling fentanyl coming into the U.S. So if President Biden gets what he can view as a win out of that, this is something where being the commander in chief, being president is a huge part of being an incumbent, a major advantage. All right. Karen, this is, though, a crucial moment for him, right, that this is going to happen uh, in, in a few moments here. Look, Jeff said every step he takes is being watched, you know, referring, I believe, in the, in the specific context, uh, you know, figuratively to what he says here. But it's also literally, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to be giving a rare solo press conference, and people are going to watch every literal step he takes, every figurative uh, word, uh, you know, that he says. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how important is a moment like this for him right now, in this point in the campaign, and, of course, Uh, given the approval ratings and the concerns the public has about his age right now? Well, look, these are the kinds of moments where, you know, leaders are able to rise to the challenge and the pressure, because as as you pointed out, he has a number of challenges, both domestically and abroad. No doubt in these conversations, the president is having to really walk a fine balance between staying tough on China in the ways that have been successful and effective, but also, as he said, he's got to reopen the dialogue. And I would venture to say that the world is safer when America and China are having conversations, not just at the leader to leader level, but, you know, between our militaries, between our secretaries of state and what have you. So he's got a balance to work. I mean, Jeff mentioned the fentanyl uh, issue. Look, Trump got a deal on fentanyl and China didn't do anything with it. That didn't really go anywhere. And so part of the challenge with China, I think Josh Rogan had a great piece today, right, is, you know, China has a little bit of a -a rope-a-dope that they have done. They did it with Trump. They did it with Obama. And so Biden needs to, I think he's going to have to show that he, hopefully they got some agreements. He's able, he is staying tough on China and he'll no doubt get some tough questions on what's happening here at home. Right. And certainly on a lot of topics. But, but Scott, you know, to the point uh, that the Karen's making. There was a lot of criticism from Republicans on the campaign trail today of Biden's decision to meet with the Chinese President Xi Jinping today. Uh, here's Trump himself and some of his rivals. They were in agreement on this. The Chinese become very hostile. They weren't hostile with me. They weren't hostile with me. They called me sir. They don't call him, sir. Well, I think you've seen Biden has begged for this meeting, right? That's why President Xi is willing to meet with them. Is they're not scared of Joe Biden. They do not fear 
Biden. They realize he's weak. His whole approach to China has been flawed. So, Scott, I mean, look, they're all they're all in agreement on this. But is there any situation in which it would be wrong uh, for President Biden to take a four hour meeting with the president of China on U.S. soil? Well, I think the president of the United States has to meet with China. I think it's right for him to do that. At the same time, you cannot oversell or overstate how much you trust China because, look, they, they don't I don't think it's in they don't believe it's in their best interest to do things like, you know, help the United States with our cultural problems with fentanyl or, you know, whatever they're doing with TikTok. I think that's a major flashpoint as well. They, they view us as an adversary. They don't view us as an ally. And so to say we made an yeah. agreement with an adversary, as Karen said, you know, mm. they often don't keep their agreements with us. And it's not, they don't think it's in their best interest to do that. So I, if I were in Biden's shoes, like, yes, you have to talk to these people, but you have to be clear eyed about what their ultimate aims are. And you have to communicate to the American people that you understand they are an adversary. Mm. There's a mountain of video from the history of Joe Biden's political career where he's saying things like, well, rising China, that's good, that's good. The American people do not believe that. And he needs no. to set that rhetoric aside and be more realistic about this. Right. Although I think probably everyone in this group can agree that uh, whether they call you sir or not is uh, not indicative of how seriously they take you or, or don't. Uh, Jeff Zeleny, um, the, 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 when, pre when President Biden takes questions, as he is expected to do in just in just a few moments here, they're going to be about all sorts of things. Obviously, they're going to be about Israel and Gaza. No question about that. Young voters, he is doing very poorly with right now in polls. He needs to turn that around. His team knows that. A big part of the reason why, according to some of the reporting you have done and some of your team, is because of Israel Gaza. People like this. I think that young voters recognize you can't bomb your way to peace and security. And so we do feel uncomfortable with that. I voted for Biden. Are you going to vote for him again in 2024? I mean, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said absolutely 100%, no doubt about it. But honestly, the past few weeks have changed everything and I don't know anymore. Okay, Jeff, this is a crucial moment. How does he walk the line tonight? Because he is going to have to, and it's not gonna be just one question. I'd be shocked, right, if it was one question. Backing, continuing his steadfast support for Israel and recognizing that many of, of the constituents that supported him and voted him into office do not agree with his position on this issue. Aaron, there's no doubt that young voters are a key part of his coalition, part of his winning coalition. So are many other pieces of the coalition, and many of which have one thing in common. They do uh, have deep questions about the violence they have seen in Gaza and deep questions about the unwavering support the president has given toward Israel. But we have seen uh, a shift in the administration's uh, language over the last uh, month, uh, certainly since October 7th. Uh, so we will see what the president has to say tonight. But look, they know that they uh, need to explain the fact that they're not giving Israel a blank check, if you will, but they also have to explain uh, why there was a ceasefire on October 6th and it was Hamas that broke that ceasefire. <laughs> so I would look for the president to give uh, some um, you know, sharp answers on that. But look, he's not going to please everyone in the Middle East. Who, which president has? Right, right. That's true. But I, 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 to your point, I certainly will hear him uh, make that point about who broke the uh, 
ceasefire, attention, as it essentially was on October 6th. All right, thank you. Next, we are waiting President Biden's first solo press conference in months. But right now, China's president, after this four-hour meeting with Biden, is having dinner with a group of Iowans, including this woman. Who is she? Who is she? Plus, some major advances by Ukraine to tell you about tonight as Putin pardons more hardcore criminals and sets them free. For just one reason, you know what it is. They're willing to go fight his war. President Biden just emerging from that marathon four-hour meeting with the Chinese President Xi Jinping. The talks including, we understand, quote, very direct exchanges on the economy and nuclear issues. Agreeing to resume military-to-military communication was a crucial goal here. And we are already seeing a dramatic about-face in China tonight. I mean, this is actually pretty stunning. The Chinese literally overnight changing their tone, calling for warmer ties with the United States. You could see it in real time. And David Culver is in San Francisco, uh, where both leaders are, uh, where the meeting was, where they're staying tonight. And David, last night when we talked, your reporting on the tone in China was very different. I mean, you actually were talking about a social media post. You saw so many like this one. Uh, but it said, anyone who thinks that China-U.S. relations will become better is simply naive. It's just your wishful thinking. And it was a dime a dozen for tone like that. Today, though, a dramatic Turn around. Tell me what you're saying. So this actually caught me off guard, Aaron, to the point where I had to go back and reread some of these state media headlines to make sure that I was understanding how they were portraying this. And it was incredibly friendly to see this tone put out in a very cozy manner directed towards the U.S. I can tell you, in my three years living there up until last year, I never saw anything this pro-U.S., if you will, in the messaging. And it was leading up to today's talks. Now, obviously, what I'm going to be looking for now is how, if anything, might shift after these talking points start to come out. But as of now, the headlines are still there, and state media is still very much going into this with an optimistic tone. I mean, they're stressing things like people-to-people connections, and they're even romanticizing, Aaron, some of President Xi's past trips to the U.S. And so they're positioning it in a way that seems to suggest that they want to convince the the Chinese public that perhaps Americans are good now. And this comes after years of portraying them in a very, quite frankly, evil depiction at times and even placing a lot of blame on the U.S. for for conflicts and for even starting the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, evil depictions. I mean, talk about a whiplash. I mean, it is stunning. If you think about it, and we're going to get more perspective on what's really happening here. But what you're talking about, what's actually happening, is an incredible thing. And and it does come uh, as, as she is, in addition to the meeting with Biden, right, trying to show off his American ties, which also goes goes right. counter to what you've seen so much of. But he met with a mix of people from Iowa, who she calls his old friends. One of them is named Sarah Landy. She is, uh, here she is in 1985. She's with she. People may not remember, but but she was there at that time. Uh, he spent time in the United States, his first trip to the United States. He was with Sarah Landy. You had a chance to speak with her today. Why is she important to him in this trip? So it was interesting. Yeah, I was able to catch up with her on Zoom, but she's like, I need to hurry. I have a few minutes. I need to get to dinner, dinner with President Xi Jinping. I mean, not many folks get to say that, let alone Americans you know, here in, in, in the U.S., but she's been flown here to attend that dinner. I, I think it's important because of optics more than anything else. It doesn't take away from what friendship and relationship they might have, but this is very important for President Xi as he's trying to win over U.S. businesses in particular, trying to persuade them to come back in to China if they've left or to expand their reach within China. But I, w- I want you to hear from Sarah herself as 
she describes this relationship. I am an old friend of Xi Jinping, and that's why I was invited to come. And even in 2012, when he walked in the door, there was a big smile that there's just a wonderful feeling sort of between the peoples that uh, we care about each other. So I've never really heard anybody describe President Xi Jinping in, in such a, a personal manner. He's very low-key and not a lot of transparency from the leadership of China. But there you have it, Aaron. All right, David Culver, thank you very much. And with me now, Sumi Terry, former CIA analyst who also served under Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama. And Ian Bremmer is also back with me. All right, Sumi, what do you make of all this? Dramatic turnaround. I mean, I mean, like whiplash. I mean, if you're in China and you go, wait, okay, this this great evil and all that, and now it's it's friendly. And you hear Sue Landy talking about President Xi Jinping in this way, which of course he wants, he knew would happen. He's flown her there for dinner. What do you think is going on? So I think Xi Jinping, I mean, there's an incentive for this meeting to go really well. Um, China's economy is stagnant. There's this, I think this shows the kind of trouble that Xi Jinping is in, in terms of its economy, right? It's stagnant. Mm. China's economy, which was about 75% of America's GDP, GDP just went down to some 64%. They have a lot of troubles at home, right? There's deflation, there's housing market crisis, there is youth unemployment, one out of five are unemployed. Mm -hmm. um, aging population, lowest fertility rate in the world. So there's a lot of problems. Foreign investors are leaving China and they, he wants foreign investors back and investing mm -hmm. in China. And look at his talking about Iowa connection, right? He's trying yeah. to show that he's not anti-American, that he has connection to the heartland of America. That And it doesn't hurt that Iowa is agricultural exporter to China right. and that export has also gone down. So I think there's a lot of incentives here for Xi Jinping to have this successful meeting and portray all of this. Interesting. It just runs counter, I think, to what a lot of people expect. And, and among the many things you just said there, that the Chinese economy was approaching the same size as the United States. Yes. It was three quarters of the size of the American economy. It's now uh, 64%. Right. So you're down to two thirds. I mean, it, less than two thirds. I mean, it's pretty, it, it's just really significant what you're saying. And Ian, the four hour meeting that Biden and Xi had is a long time. And, and, I, and I say that knowing full well that you had translators, right? You had everything double time. It's still a really long time for as these things go. Um, very different than Xi's visit to meet with then-President Trump six years ago. Trump, of course, he prays on him. We all remember the cameras at the dinner. Uh, we're looking at the video of it now. And then the meeting, Trump stressed that he had the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake. I mean, we all remember these moments. Uh, and Ivanka Trump's daughter, who yeah. was taking uh, Chinese lessons, do you remember how she, she came and performed for him? Uh, just to remind everybody, I mean, this is what happened. I am an old friend of Xi Jinping, and that's why I was invited to come. Okay, obviously, sorry, that was a, that was a mistake. Um, but Arabella did show up, that Ivanka's was. daughter, and she said, you know, it was a song and dance, and obviously um, that's what happened. So this is a very different situation. A very, now, now we're seeing it. A very different situation, Ian. What does that mean to she, that this is so different? Well, first of all, uh, four hours was fully expected. Uh, this was not surprised that it went longer. It was the plan. Uh, secondly, we've had over the last few weeks 
uh, a Chinese charm offensive towards Australia when the prime minister came. That was a relationship that was completely broken uh, over the last few years, started in the midst of COVID. Uh, the Chinese reaching out to Lithuania, also a broken relationship. All the places they've got problems with in the West, they're trying to patch over. Why? Sumi already said it. The Chinese economy is not doing very well. But also... Uh, because the rest of the world looks like it's in flames. This Russia-Ukraine conflict, um, the Middle East conflict, the Chinese, very different from Iran, from Russia, from North Korea, they don't want chaos globally. They need the global economy to be stable. They actually need the geopolitics of the world to be stable. So even yeah. though they're an adversary of the United States and, and, and a competitor, they're not trusted by the U.S. and it's mutual, but they are adults. And in that regard, you have two leaders that mm. have known each other for a very long time meeting today with the intention to try specifically to lower the temperature. And that has been, you know, sort of in train now for months. I'm not surprised. It's not the end of the world. It's not suddenly, it's not a, a new glasnost between them. One other thing I would mention, though, for you is that a few hours ago, the Chinese got very good news on the issue that has been most important to them, and that's Taiwan. And the two opposition parties in Taiwan who have not been able to see eye to eye decided they're going to run on a joint slate. And the one that will be the president or run for president will be the one that happens to poll the best in a few internal polls. That means that it is much more likely on January 13th that the next Taiwanese president is not pro-independence, but instead someone that is more willing to work with mainland China. And that yeah. takes a very significant piece of conflict and mm. reduces the temperature between the Americans and the Chinese. It is not coincidental that that announcement came hours before, before. Biden was meeting yeah. with Xi Jinping. Clearly, that improved the temperature in the room. Clearly, and, and, and obviously, and let's go into the room where this is about to happen. I mean, just keep in mind, uh, you know, China has, has um, you know, they, they've taken a side, right? They've taken a Hamas side. They've taken a Russia side. I mean, it's been very clear. So this is uh, obviously not a glass nose, but a rapprochement of, of, of some fascinating sort. MJ Lee is actually in the room uh, where President Biden will be taking questions momentarily. MJ, what are you learning? Well, Aaron, first of all, uh, apologies for the delay in this press conference. Uh, members of the media were just moved indoors for what was supposed to be an outdoor press conference. Uh, but we started getting some raindrops, and that's why things have been a little bit hectic. Uh, but look, uh, Aaron, I think if U.S. officials uh, wanted to see a reset in U.S.-China relations, I think we just might have seen that happen uh, in real time. There has been a reset in U.S.-China relations, at least in a so, uh, insofar as the bigger goal that U.S. officials had wanted, uh, which was to reestablish uh, diplomacy and reestablish uh, communication channels that had been severed. Particularly important to U.S. officials uh, was the reestablishment of this military-to-military -military communications. Uh, we've heard from a senior administration official that there was an agreement that that was an important part uh, of their communications that had to be uh, built again. Uh, there was also this agreement that we saw uh, from the two countries uh, on China agreeing to take actions to crack down on the chemical substances that are used to make fentanyl. But uh, just stepping back from that, I think we can read a lot into, Aaron, sort of the language that we saw at the top of the summit from the two leaders, uh, really agreeing that the two countries uh, must work together to avoid crises. And then just the body language that we saw as well. Uh, the two leaders uh, decided to go on a walk around the premises of this historic estate so that the cameras could capture the physical warmth uh, between the 
the two. We were also told that there were some moments of levity in this long summit as well when President Biden uh, wished Pre uh, President Xi's wife a happy birthday next week. President Xi responding that he had forgotten about his wife's birthday because he had been working so hard. Uh, so again, uh, all of this has culminated uh, as a result of U.S. officials over the last uh, many months uh, working with their Chinese counterparts to lay the groundwork to get a few tangible outcomes out of this. But in the big picture, I think U.S. officials are going to be uh, happy and we'll hear a happy President Biden uh, talking about how he accomplished what he set out to accomplish here. Aaron. Uh, well, as, as you say, MJ, uh, it appears, at least from the immediate, immediate take on both sides, to be uh, Quite a significant day indeed. Um, all right. We are awaiting, as I said, that press conference, which will begin momentarily. We're going to take a brief break uh, and we'll come back uh, with that as soon as it begins. And also when we talk about Xi's uh, relations with China and with Putin. Well, today Putin's suffering a major setback. Ukrainian forces are now a step closer to liberating Crimea as Russia struggles to find fighters. All these things possibly intertwined. Plus, The Rock goes to Washington and he's asked the question that's right now on everyone's mind. Do you plan to run for president? All right, guys, let's go. Do you plan to run for president? Mr. Johnson, will you be on WrestleMania? I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight, Ukraine is making a major advance on the battlefield. Ukrainian soldiers crossing the Dnipro River. Crossing the Dnipro River, moving closer to Crimea, which is occupied by Russia. This is according to a top Ukrainian official who says these soldiers have now, quote, gained a foothold across the river, which, if it's the case, is a significant first step towards Ukraine's aim of liberating Crimea. Russia hitting back, warning that, quote, a fiery hell will be thrown at Ukrainian soldiers. But pro-Kremlin military bloggers complain that Russian forces cannot oust the Ukrainians from their position. The development on the southern front line comes as Vladimir Putin is now pardoning and releasing convicted murderers. And if you look at some of the murders they convicted, it is horrific. And pardoning them because they'll fight in Ukraine. Fred Plaikin is out front. As Russia loses large amounts of soldiers on the front lines in Ukraine, the Kremlin continues filling the ranks with convicts, pardoning and releasing even the most dangerous ones if they survive their tour of combat. Sergei Khadzikurbanov was sentenced to 20 years in prison in 2014 for organizing the high-profile killing of prominent journalist and Kremlin critic Anna Politkovskaya, who was gunned down in her apartment block in 2006. Now Khadzikurbanov has been pardoned after fighting in Ukraine, his lawyer says. Politkovskaya's family and the paper she worked for, Novaya Gazeta, irate. It is a monstrous fact of injustice and arbitrariness, an insult to the memory of a person killed for their beliefs and for carrying out their professional duty, they wrote in a statement. There are others. 
Vladislav Kanyus was sentenced to 17 years in jail for brutally murdering his girlfriend and ordered to pay compensation to the victim's family, Russian media reports. He was also pardoned after fighting in Ukraine and doesn't even have to pay the compensation, the Kremlin defending the decision. There is a certain practice that is being implemented, Putin's spokesman says. To my knowledge, there are no exceptions to this practice. More precisely, there are exceptions, but they do not relate to the topic of the resonance of this or that case. The Wagner private military company first started using convicts on the battlefields in Ukraine last year. Wagner boss Yevgeny Prigozhin traveling to Russian jails to recruit inmates. I spend more ammunition than was ever spent in Stalingrad, he said at the time. First sin is deserting. No one leave the front. No one surrenders. Even after Prigozhin was killed in a plane crash in August, Russia continues large-scale recruitment of prison inmates. Russian leader Vladimir Putin even included some in a moment of silence for fallen soldiers. We are all people. Everyone can make some mistakes. They once made them, but they gave their lives for their motherland and atoned for their guilt in full. And that amnesty also extends to killers in Russia who can prevent doing time by killing even more in Ukraine. And you know, Aaron, despite some public backlash even in Russia, when in some cases convicted murderers are released back into society, Vladimir Putin really doesn't seem to want to change course on this topic. In fact, his spokesman recently said that convicts, quote, atone with blood for crimes on the battlefield. Aaron? Fred, thank you very much. Well, next, the Republican senator who challenged a union leader to a fistfight is now not only defending his actions, but taking it a step further. Well, I'll I'll buy it, honey. Yeah, I'm in a fight. I'm going to buy it. Plus, live pictures from San Francisco after this significant meeting with President Xi Jinping. President Biden expected to take questions from reporters at any moment. And we will, of course, be bringing that to you live. Tonight, a Republican senator defending this moment when he challenged the head of the Teamsters Union to a fist fight. Senator Mark Wayne Mullen says he was serious about fighting during the hearing on Capitol Hill. Here's what he told our Dana Bash today. First thing I thought of when I stood up, I thought, I'm going to break my hand on this guy's face. I'm going to take my wedding ring off. Uh, because when, when you're fighting and you learn how to punch correctly, you really shouldn't break your hand. But when you aren't doing it with wraps. So you actually you thought will. you were going to come to blows in that moment. I had full intentions of doing that. All right. Mullen is a mixed martial arts fighter. And he went further. He said this in a podcast. Well, I'll I mean, yeah. I mean, a fight, I'm going to bite. I'll, I'll do anything. I mean, I'm not above it. And I don't care where I bite, by the way. It just is going to be a bite. Melanie Zona is out front on Capitol Hill. And Melanie, um, I mean, just listening to all this, it's sort of like, wait, is this, is this real? Um, how are other members of Congress reacting to all this? Well, none of his colleagues are calling for him to be punished. So we are not expecting Mullen to suffer any consequences here. But some Republicans have said he should be setting a better example as a United States senator, while other Republicans have sought to defend him and turn the blame on the witness. Let's listen. I would have bludgeoned the guy for a lot of things that he'd said, but I wouldn't have gone as far as Mark Wayne. I wouldn't want to mess with Mark Wayne Mullen. Uh, he's tough, but it seems that the 
witness who has this long history of taunting him with tweets, and that's completely unnecessary. You can only be young once, but you can always be immature. Now, for his part, Mullen is not showing any remorse for his behavior. In fact, Aaron, he is doubling down, and he is also fundraising off of this incident and t selling T-shirts. Now, he is a former MMA fighter, so in some ways, I guess being a fighter is part of his brand. But this is just one example of how the decorum on Capitol Hill has really devolved in recent years, where this type of behavior is not only tolerated, but it's also incentivized, given that he is tolerating off of this, tweeting this, doing midi media interviews. So certainly not the finest moment for the world's greatest deliberative body. And I'll also point out, Aaron, that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, an actual wrestler, was on Capitol Hill today. So maybe they needed to bring in some actual fighters today. But, you know, it's just another example, again, of how the institution has really changed in recent years, Aaron. Right, change. And I know you're being diplomatic in your words, but I mean, it is a stunning moment to watch all of this when you realize, you know, these are real people with real jobs and, and, and significant responsibilities. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Melanie. I appreciate it. And of course, uh, The Rock was there uh, talking about whether he would run uh, for president. Well, of course, we are awaiting now President Biden uh, any moment about to begin uh, a press conference. It is going to be only his third solo press conference in this year. It's November 15th, so this is only the third time. Obviously going to be here in prime time. It's been a bit delayed after what appears to have been a very significant meeting with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping. Uh, the President of the United States will be taking those questions in just a few moments. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's hand it off now to Anderson. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep Next Level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.